Hello and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. Well, that brought us back down to earth quickly. After an amazing night in Lyon during the week, reality bites for Chelsea at the Academy Stadium on Sunday. Disappointing performance, a frustrating day. I'm here with Abdullah Abdullah to break down what went wrong, talk about what the result means, and, and hopefully I think bust Abdullah some of the doom and gloom I've seen around because it's easy and I understand why, and I feel the same, why we saw that game and feel rubbish about it. But also it's important to look at it in in the wider context, both in the bad and the good. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think it's very easy for for everyone to kind of just turn around and be like, see, we told you this team has no consistency, blah, 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 blah. But like it's it's one of those where you can just see what happened and 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 okay. I think this game, while yes, it was bad and everything, I can see where people are coming from, but at the same time, it's like, okay, the issues we've talked about before haven't really gone away, but also the at the same time, the um the the game itself was bad. It was just I just think that it's it's down to the fact of rotation needs to happen. Key players were injured, aka Millie Bright. And I think that without sufficient you know, without, you know, no no offense to any of the players there, but I think there's got to be a level of, there's there needs to be a level of improvement in the depth because I think we've seen now that whenever Chelsea really do rotate in key areas, things like this do happen, results like this do come up. And I think that's where the problem lies. You know, we saw what happened against Leon. You know, top team played, played well and biggest win of the season, amazing. And then four days later, you don't just turn into a team that just does this. It's It comes down to certain factors. So, yes, there was stuff that City did really, really well, but I don't think it was all completely on City. I think there are things Chelsea could have done and can do to, to rectify this easily. Yeah, my definite view is that City weren't as good as some people thought and Chelsea weren't as bad as some people thought, but also Chelsea were quite bad at points. But it's very hard, I think, when you look at the... The Leon game, and you're like, I guess we've seen this all season, right? These like very up and down performances. You think about playing Arsenal in the FA Cup. It's a very, you know, kind of composed performance, I feel, gets the job done. Then there's a total meltdown in the Conti Cup. We play Leon last week. We look fine. Okay, Leon don't offer loads, but they're no mugs. And then this isn't like Conti Cup level for me, you know, to. It's frustrating to lose to City, but I maintain that like City didn't create a whole host of good chances. And I, I want to talk about as we get into the episode, like how much I think Emma Hayes shot herself in the foot with how this game went on. And I think that makes it feel when you're making substitutions that early, for example, it makes it you're telegraphing to everyone, your team, the viewers, your fans that like you fucked up. And I just don't think it it had been fucked up that much, but Right, let's get into it a bit more. Obviously, we are talking about the game against the played on Sunday, the 26th of March in the WSL at the Academy Stadium. That is a very cursed stadium for us. We must remember. 2-0 win for City. Goals from Philippa Angodal in the 21st and Lauren Hemp in the 30th minute. Um, Chelsea lining up, I mean, pretty much maybe as we expected, Abdullah. So, AKB in goal... Jess Carter at left-back with Magda Eriksson and Kadisha Buchanan. Magda obviously filling in for Millie Bright's absence. Marmielder at right-back in a real throwback to when we played City in that second match of the season. A midfield of Sophie Ingle, 
Erin Cuthbert and Melly Loipotz, as we saw against Leon with our classic front three at this point of Gura Wright and Sam Kerr and Lauren James. What did you make of, of the kind of original starting lineup? I sort of had a feeling there'd be a little bit of rotation, but I didn't think that with the exception of Miel Defer, you know, and Eve Parise switching around, I didn't think we'd get the same midfield. I actually thought that while like I think against Leon it worked playing the Casper Ingle Loipold's midfield, I think against City, I didn't think that we needed to play that way. I think I actually thought Kankovic would start because when you're coming up against a team like City, yes, you are going away from home and you are playing uh, you are playing at the Academy Stadium. But at the same time, like City's defense isn't the quickest in the world. And there is opportunities to be able to play around them and to be able to create chances for Sam Kerr. Hasegawa isn't a true number, a number six, you know. And while maybe a tad bit better on the ball than Zamaris, you know, uh, Leon, I feel like Leon's midfield needed Cuthbert, Ingle, and Leupold together because of the technicality those three, four players had. And it was a 4v3, so they needed to match up in some way. But City are playing with three, and when they played... The minute I saw Lyle Alexandri in the back four, I went, right, you know you know that she's coming inside. She's not playing as a left-back. She's playing as an extra midfielder, so they wanted to, to play there. But I think, again, there's not much dynamism there and I really felt like this was a game for Kankovic to, to start instead of you could have rested Aaron Cuthbert I mean we saw that she was slightly limping off in the game against Leon came off early and obviously we've seen the we've seen her limp off in this game honestly thought Kankovic could have come on sooner and done something so yeah I was a little bit surprised that there wasn't more changes maybe even a Jesse Fleming coming in Canarid starting it, it, I just felt like it's a little bit of a risk when you're playing practically the same team as you did a few days ago and and you know, and trying to think that, okay, we'll do the same thing to City as we did to Leon when they're two fundamental different teams. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it was it was interesting. I feel like I kind of understand why this team went out, although I do find the whole, like, Aaron Cuthbert's now a 10 thing quite strange. I don't know whether that's because it feels worth having Melly Loipots in the team more, but actually that's the player who I'd say maybe also needs some rest because I feel like she's come back from having her baby and then like she's been thrown into the team at a very high level of intensity and I think we've seen patches of good stuff and patches of not so good stuff from her and this all this felt like a game where okay if you really think Lopots is that important you probably want to start her against Leon do you really want to start her here and and maybe yeah an Erin and a Jesse like I find the whole Jesse thing really bizarre as well um just because I don't think she's had a great season, but she seems to have gone from being like the number one pick to not starting at all, you know. And the idea that, yeah, Erin's now like seemingly the first choice 10 ahead of Chankovic. Okay, maybe we don't know entirely how fit Chankovic is. Um, and then, then Fleming below her. So I feel like that's that kind of stuff is just, it's all quite bizarre. Um, obviously, we saw substitutions very early on in this game. We'll get into talking about them in a little bit. Let's look at some of the stats here. Um, 16 shots for City, but only three of them were on target. And I do think that reflects the fact that for all of City did well to stop Chelsea, I don't think they created a huge amount um, in terms of dangerous opportunities. We had nine shots, of which four were on target, but... Assign the the Melanie Loipoltz chance at the end was the only one that I think was a really good one. Here's something that I wanted to touch on though. 
City had 48% possession to our 52%. We had the exact same pass accuracy of 75%. And if you had asked me that in the game, to like put a number on it, Abdullah, I wouldn't have, you know, that's higher than we had against Leon, against United. But watching it live, it just felt like we couldn't find a pass anywhere. Yeah, we couldn't hold the ball. I, I felt like every time we got the ball, it was just getting lost or they're getting tackled and, you know, long passes are going astray, short passes are getting, you know, City city oppressing us. And it felt weird. I mean, yeah, I saw that stat and you highlighted it here and I was like, really? 75%? And, and that too, we've had more passes than City in this game, which again blows my mind because I felt like City were the ones dominating the game with, with and without the ball. And again, the possession stats don't reflect the same thing. And, I mean, 16 shots is is something. I mean, the fact that they were peppering AKB's goal 16 times is 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 what I think for me felt like City had more possession, better pass accuracy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then you come out and think that Chelsea actually bettered in those three stats for me is just really really strange. And I guess a lot of it can can come down, come down to the fact of. Magda Buchanan and Ingle just kind of playing those shorter passes between them and that's where it becomes a bit more um it makes more sense but still I just I just felt like City really dominated the game in terms of possession wise and passing wise than than what it looks like on the stats yeah and I think it's important to say right that you know the stats aren't everything the eye test is really important I definitely feel like what I took from this was that as much as Chelsea were weren't great, City weren't going around playing some slick possession football. You know, like they they weren't great as well. And obviously, game state, you know, determines that a bit because City had were two 0 up after thirty minutes, so they didn't need to create anything. They knew they could just kind of break up play. Um, I'll just touch on the, the XG so. Uh, Chelsea's XG was 0.64, which is our lowest in the WSL all season, to City's 0.94. So, again, that kind of speaks to, like, it wasn't like City were running away with their level of chance creation. You know, teams who've created more in terms of expected goals against us this season include Tottenham but <laughs> and Brighton. But, <laughs> again, they didn't need to. They were 2-0 they were up. Um, I definitely think what's more concerning for us is that, like, against a City team who I think are a team that should be still seen as being defensively vulnerable, we didn't score. Not only that, we didn't really deserve to score. Not only that, we didn't create anything at all. And that's actually almost more of my concern around this whole game is not so much the defensive stuff, which I thought was bad, but the lack of attacking stuff. Because we've seen some crazy games at the Academy Stadium, you know, like... You know, the WSL Twitter accounts are going big on that famous 3-3. You know, Chelsea are a team who at least I used to feel like, and I don't know if I feel like this right now, be a team who they, if stuff was going against them, they would just kind of press a chaos button. And they would find, they would they would lean into the chaos and they would just kind of go all out and they would find ways to score goals. And... I don't know whether it's because of the injuries. I don't know whether it's because of the fixtures at the moment. But Abdullah, it doesn't feel like, you know, this team can do that right now. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very strange that, you know, the way 
you know, the way we've been playing and the way I think we've been playing all season, it's been sort of inconsistent at times. I mean, like you said, like we've had moments where, you know, you have the, the Conte Cup final, you have this game, then you have Leon, and you have, you know, the City 3-3 three, three from, I mean, you can go back seasons and see this, and there's almost been this inconsistency in performances over the last few years and to me I don't know what that comes down to because we've always had different reasons behind that and you know one year it's all right there's not as we need a couple of these key players and it'll be fine the next year it's all right the tactics aren't working okay we change that we'll be fine the next time it's oh we don't have a plan b it's fine this time it seems to be just you know when things go well it's like great this is fine this is this is good but then when it doesn't work it's Chelsea are predictable playing the same same type of game over and over again and, and you know someone's figured it out but then I don't buy most of those reasons because we can have a period of being really really good and controlling games and doing well like you know we've 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 beaten Arsenal and we've beaten Arsenal we've beaten Leon and we've lost the city and you know it's 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 I think it comes down to a couple of, I think it comes down to maybe a mixture of things, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, how, how much can you put it down to, can you put it down to just, you know, one or two specific reasons? I think it's just a combination of things. And, you know, I think I was, I was talking to somebody just early today while this game was on. I was like, I, I mean, now one of the reasons might just be that is the depth, you know, good enough. Like there is depth, but there's not enough depth. And, you know, after, you know, from an attacking standpoint, after losing Penny Lahada and Frank Kirby, is there enough going forward, right? Like, is Kerrighton and James are amazing, and then you have Kankovic, but, you know, if something were to happen to them after those two are out, you know, what happens? But then how much, you know, how much can you go down that rabbit hole? I don't know. I mean, you look at our bench versus City's bench today. City didn't even bring on anybody except for Julie Blackstad, and they have players like Leila Wahabi, Heli Rasso, Dene Castellanos, Mary Fowler, you know, Kasparai all all on the bench to, to bring on. And, you know, th they're another team that, you know, has an amazing starting eleven, but also has a very deep bench, um, which I think helps their cause considering they're only playing two, three, um, two, three uh, competitions, right? Now they're only playing for the WSL and it helps when they have a settled eleven. So, and less injuries. Yeah, so I don't know. I think this, this, this team is still inconsistent but I don't know what it exactly is that'll bring them to the consistency that we need and you know maybe it's the so-called easier games where they where we where we screwed up and then you know the harder games where it really counts is where Chelsea just come alive and do it so I wouldn't be surprised if in four or five days time Chelsea just turned it on and beat Leon like 2-0 at home because you need to win that game whereas this one yes should need it to win this game, but you've got a game in hand and the title is still in your hands. It's an interesting point because obviously this week, this is a bit off the beaten track, but Bayern Munich sacks Julian Nagelsmann, right? And they brought in Thomas Tuchel, so I guess there, there is a Chelsea link there. But I saw people in Germany talking about Bayern's season so far and the feeling that they've been a bit unlucky and also just a feeling of like they've got Bundesliga fatigue and obviously Bayern's dominance of the Bundesliga has been far greater historically than Chelsea's has of the WSL but it did ring true to me watching this game today in terms of being like is the league a competition that these players still want to give everything for that they're still excited for because you know 
I don't feel like City were just hungrier for it. I think that's silly. I think that minimises the kind of tactical failings of Chelsea. But I do think when we're talking about that thing of, you know, why did we, why did we used to maybe see more of Chelsea really going for it in games and we're not at the moment? And then when you look at, say, like the Lyon game, and obviously we'll see what happens this week, but maybe maybe they just care more about that competition because it's not something they've historically had the the same amount of success in. Um, I I don't know. Like, I I generally think that you know pro athletes are pro athletes, but it, I just thought it was interesting. Obviously, that it's been talked about in the context of Bayern, and I I do part of me does wonder how much it could potentially apply to Chelsea because as much as pro athletes are uber competitive they are also equally human and I feel like everyone's got an example in their life of something they really wanted actually becoming a bit boring to them um so we are going to take a quick ad break here thanks to our sponsors for supporting the show when we come back we will start at the very beginning so Abdullah I think where we should start is where where did this setup go wrong because you know the context obviously is there are subs made up 35 minutes the implication there is that Emma Hayes had seen something that wasn't right tactically she said after the game these were tactical substitutions but for the first 15 minutes at least I felt this game was pretty even and then I think we started to see Chelsea struggling to play out from the back and this is kind of interesting because Hayes did an interview after the Leon game where she was like, I've rediscovered long ball football. I'm paraphrasing. She didn't actually say that. But, you know, she was like, we've tried to control games and it hasn't worked. So that's why we've basically been kicking it along all the time. And then this game, it feels like we're right back where we were before. We're we're trying to kind of play out from the back and it's it's not working. And why do you think that is? Is that a personnel issue? Is that a tactical issue? What do you think Hayes was looking at and being like, this is going wrong? It's interesting because Chelsea have probably three centre-backs that are really good at playing out from the back in Bright Eriksson and Buchanan. You know, we've seen we've seen her do well as well. And technically speaking, with the midfield that you have, when you have a Leupold, you have an Ingle, you even have an Aaron Cuthbert who's shown it in, in, in glimpses this season... You've got a core there that can play out from the back and 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 drive forward. I think the biggest issue, and and I was I was I was talking to I was talking to somebody about this uh, as well, and I think a couple of people brought it up was, I think the one of the reasons I think Emma said about we're we're not good at playing out from the back is I think the fact that G is gone has really changed the dynamic of the way Chelsea play out from the back. I think G was one of the best players at receiving possession with a back to goal, being able to turn and drive forward in the midst of of being pressured by by opposition players. And she was such a good pressure valve for the team in midfield that when you played with someone like that in midfield, you are almost not scared of playing out from the back because you know you've got someone like that who can pick up, receive, turn, drive, and then you suddenly have this extra bit of space in behind whoever's pressing pressing G. And I think neither of the midfielders who have been playing in the double pivot or as the 10 dropping deep have been able to do that on a consistent basis. Now, you could argue that someone like Pene Lajada could do that role, but we haven't seen enough Pene Lajada this season. She's been unlucky with injury, and so we, we haven't been able to test that out. Erin's done it in some games. I've seen her do it really well. In other games, she's not done it as well. She's been pressured. And I think the, the problem comes down to the fact that Chelsea centre-backs are susceptible to pressure, and so it requires a a very, very 
competent, composed central midfield, defensive midfielder number six to be able to to help take the burden off, right? And I just don't think Chelsea have that. And I think one of the reasons, you know, everyone's called Chelsea a little bit predictable and and pretty much going back to long ball football is because there's no midfield controller. I think I think we go back to the same question of is there a real midfield controller in there? Now I know that Kankovic was bought for that for for that reason, and she has been a player that can play as the eight and play as a ten. But we haven't seen her. Like I, I, we've seen her as the number ten. We haven't seen her in her slightly deeper role. I would be keen to see how Akankovic looks next to someone like Erin Cuthbert or Sophie Ingle, just to see how that dynamic works. Because I think she's the closest thing to a pressure valve, you know, outlet for this team. But I still think that MSC Zara is a number ten, so I don't think that'll happen. So that comes down to the fact that okay, she thinks that she doesn't have the options in midfield to be able to play out from the back. So, you know, rather than putting the centre-backs under pressure by allowing teams to come forward and dispossess them and, and create chances on their own doing, play out from the back, use Samka's strengths in the channels, get Lauren James and Wrighton in there and kind of play out from there and, and almost play this counter-attacking long ball football. Because, I mean, we saw against Leon as well and, and, and we saw against in this game, whenever you have the forward line pressing Ericsson and Buchanan, in, and especially in those last couple of games, they almost just like... They pass it with composure, but it's almost like you can tell that when the pass the, the misplaced passes are almost a bit too quick for them. And then like Ericsson gave away that ball against Leon, Cascarino couldn't finish. Fine, that was a let off. It hit the post, but those are moments when the forward line is attacking. We saw what City did to Arsenal a few weeks ago. Those three, the two, the their first two goals against Arsenal was from yes, Arsenal's undoing of playing out from the back and not playing well, but. Hemp, Chloe, and Shaw were on them, trying to close them down, and, and and that pressure worked. And I think we can probably say that City, obviously in these two big games, have actually a pretty underrated front three that can actually press, not just attack on the ball, but actually they can press. And I think that's, for me, where the setup was wrong, where that midfield cannot play out from the back. So then you have a problem there. And so maybe bringing in Kankovic to start might have helped alleviate that because at the moment, she's probably your most creative player. And if your most creative player is not in there to help you control games, then... I, you know, because this midfield was built on dynamism and physicality, and I just didn't see too many, too much creativity in there. Yeah, I definitely agree that. I mean, look, I think neither Buchanan nor Ericsson are the world's greatest passers, and, and nor is Millie Bright for that matter. Um, you know, of anyone, I'd probably say a Nick Nowon is maybe the, or, you know, obviously she's not here right now, but of our centre backs. But both Buchanan and Ericsson are kind of, let, let's say, dribbly centre backs. They like to come out from the back with the ball. But I also felt for all of the back four because there was no one for them to pass to. And uh, therefore, your back four are going to be baited into harder passes because they they have no options. So you're going to see players starting to try stuff that doesn't work rather than the simple thing. And the gap between our defence and our midfield was absolutely crazy. Okay, you had Sophie dropping back, but then you just had, like, our defence. City weren't even pressing. Like, it wasn't like the Arsenal game. They weren't, you know, they were in a mid-block, but it was, like, our defence with Sophie, City's front three with Angle Dal as well. So, like, let's say it was, like, kind of a four. And then you had Lloyd Potts and Aaron Cuthbert. And it's like, well, who do you expect them to pass to? And and obviously, like, there were points where we went down the side 
and it looked quite good. Like there was some nice interplay between Jess and Guru, and I was like, okay, if this is what we're gonna do, this is this kind of works. Some of the build-up play, I was like, wow, this is some of the best build-up play I think we've seen. But as time went on, it just felt like City felt more and more confident about getting the turnover. And obviously this is where the first goal comes from. And the first goal is the one that really pissed me off because I think this one is just so preventable. It's so poor from AKB in terms of making that decision. Like there's no need to to play the ball like that. Don't, your AKB, don't start like chipping, trying to chip balls to people. Like play the safe pass or kick it long. And then I think it's really poor from Jess Carter. I do kind of understand that she's caught in two minds, that, you know, she's got Chloe Kelly there, but I do think you have to get out and close Philippa Angle down. <laughs> Philippa Angle down? That's what you have to do. Close her down. Because what is Philippa Angle down going to do? She's going to hit the ball. We know how good she is from those areas. So this was just a goal where I was like, this was... It was sluggish, right? Like, this was just individual errors and other players didn't catch on quick enough. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think, like you said, that, that, that first goal where AKB doesn't clear it long and she just kind of almost half lobs it, half goes long and it goes straight to City. They play it back. And kind of what we talked about, the XG.94, yes, but both of City's goals were just balls that kind of just landed at the feet of like Angadal and, and Lauren Hemp and they just took a shot and yeah, fair play. They've been two fantastic shots, ended up in being two really, really good goals. But again, both very preventable from some set pieces and, and, and playing out from the back. And, you know, Chelsea just kind of shot themselves in the foot there. And I think I think if you know the fact that you've got nobody to pass to, you just have to play it long every single time. Yes, you know, maybe eventually you have to start taking some risks and playing out from the back and and changing it so that, you know, you have your dribbly centre backs being able to to drive out. But in those in that moment when City are playing pressure and they're playing well, I, I think you just need to clear. I mean, let's 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 be real. When Millie Bright's playing, if she sees an opportunity, she's not passing it. She's booting it into Rosette or like down the field. Like she's not she's not thinking about it. She's not waiting. Like I, I, I just think that that's probably why I think Chelsea have looked a lot better when Millie Bright's on the field because she doesn't take chances. Like if it's there to be hit and cleared, just clear it first. And I think that's what this team was probably missing. Where Buchanan and, and, and Ericsson and probably even uh, Carter and Mielder are like, all right, if we have the chance to play it down and we play it forward out of the back, let's play. Even AKB probably was like, all right, cool. I, if I have the chance, I'll do it. You know, like, oh, you know, we're playing in and out. Let's let's pull City in. But no, I think in those moments, if you don't have the players for it, you just go long and you play it long. And, and they, 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 they suffered for that. Yeah, I think that's a really great point, you know, because obviously we've talked about well, we've kind of touched on obviously missing Millie and that impact that she has. And sometimes I find the like constant booting it long are very annoying. And I feel like there were points where Magda was leaning into that, especially later in the game. And I was like, you just, you've got so much time because City weren't pressing. But there are also elements where, yeah, maybe Millie's better at kind of anticipating danger and just getting rid. And, and without that in our defence, we we were struggling. Um, but I will say, I didn't think Magda had that bad a game to be honest there were I think three other people in the defense who I'd say were worse than her and one of the things that she did very well um was play a ball through to Sam Kerr after we were one nil down Kerr's flagged offside when she wasn't she would have gone through one-on-one against Ellie Roebuck 
this is the kind of thing which, okay, we don't know if she just scored, but she, she might have scored. Um, this is the kind of thing where I'm like, it's so frustrating because the margins are tiny. Everyone gets shit decisions go against them. Like, it does happen. I believe it evens out. But when you're looking back on a game like this where you have only conceded two goals and potentially you had your best chance of the game, like, unfairly ruled out, do you think if, if let's say, Sam Kerr goes through scores, what difference do you think this makes on the game? Oh, huge. I think it gives Chelsea a a way back into the game early on. I think it gives them the confidence to say, all right, cool, we've got the first goal. We know how this works. Because it would have just, it would have more so for Chelsea, it would have changed the way that City approached the game. City might have committed more numbers forward. They might have sat back a little bit more, allowed Chelsea more of the ball and more control. So I think in either scenario, getting a goal back uh, in, in, or, or getting a goal in, in general in a game just completely changes the way teams say. Because the longer the game went... City were more and more comfortable and more and more okay with just wasting time and slowing it down and, you know, not having to, to play at a quicker pace than probably what Chelsea wanted. And considering that what looked like in the eye test that they were keeping more of the ball, Manchester City, I think for for Chelsea it would have been like, oh, they got more of the ball, we need to play quicker. But if Sam scores that chance suddenly City are like all right we know we also need to go back and get a goal we need to commit players forward we need to try to start playing on the offensive and 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 we need to start maybe changing things down the line and then maybe then Chelsea can say okay fine maybe now our long ball setup maybe works a little bit better and we can kind of we can kind of go from there so yeah I think I think the I think the goal makes a huge difference in terms of not just how the way Chelsea play but the way Manchester City will play as well. Okay, and let's just quickly touch on the second goal. This one for me is a bit more unlucky. I think you can criticise Maren Mielder for not doing what Jess Carter didn't do as well and going out to close Lauren Hemp down. But I can also understand... I mean, it's kind of frustrating. You're drawn towards the ball. And again, maybe this is another Millie Bright absence. You've got Kadisha Buchanan going up against Laura Coombs. She can't get quite get the header from, like, a Chloe Kelly cross, which is, like, the worst cross in the world you've ever seen. Like, it's just a ball into the air onto, like... And then it kind of like fumbles out to Lauren Hemp and she obviously just like hits it so, so sweetly. So this is one of those ones where I'm like, ugh, like sometimes you just concede these goals. And I think, again, for me, this this is shows that like so much of this frustration in this game is that, okay, the first goal I think is really, really bad. The second goal, obviously there's ways you can prevent it. You're always going to find that for goals, but I'm a bit like sometimes these things happen. And then you look at everything else and you're like, okay, well, this is why you need to create stuff because sometimes you're going to concede kind of freak goals like this. Yeah, I mean, I'm just literally looking back at the second goal again now and you kind of just see that the ball's just kind of flying around. There is, I think that's Chloe Kelly in there who's who's kind of battling for the, or Laura Coombs rather, kept battling for the ball. And as it's coming down from the elder to clear away, the player just gets a touch and it goes straight to Lauren Hemp and then boom, she just shoots from there. So I can see what you mean where, yeah, Marin Mielder was was unlucky, but I think City were dangerous and I think in set pieces for those first 20, 30 minutes. I thought, I thought they were doing really, really well there. Um, you know, and I think Chelsea could have had better marking, I think, overall in their set pieces because even for the final, I'm going back to the first goal, but it almost felt like Philippe Angadal had all the chances in all the time in the world to take the ball steady herself and then shoot and i felt like even for the second goal once it dropped to to lauren hemp it was like why is there nobody closer to lauren hemp i mean you'd think that 
if she's hanging around on the edge of the box waiting for these sort of loose balls to come in, you'd have a player marking her. And in this case, it was, you know, you had both Marin Mielda and Kadisha Buchanan kind of kind of playing in and around, you know, near the near the far post. But nobody was near. I mean, if you look if you look at the goal, you you see Angadal and Hemp completely free, almost near on the edge of the box, and then you've got four Chelsea players in in the, near the six yard box, and you've got two outside of it, and you're like. Where is the marking? Why are you? Why are four of you marking two players and two and none of you marking two players? And it just to me felt like the whole defensive set piece setup wasn't there today. And I think that was probably where the downfall of this um, of the goal, goals came from. Yeah, I do think just defensively, our set piece marking and our ability to clear balls into the box has been really, really poor. Like this whole season, to be honest. Um, and I think that's. That's one of those really frustrating things where I'm like, you can just fix that, you know, <laughs> like just get your analyst to rejig how you're marking up in these these games. But um, yeah. All right. So at this point, Emma Hayes decides to change it all. Uh, we'll take another ad break here and then we'll talk a bit about that. So after 36 minutes, we see Sophie Ingle replaced by Neve Charles, Lauren James replaced by Johanna Ritten Canarid. Um, Hayes asked after the game, says that it was for legs, the performance was sluggish, in inverted commas. Uh, it helped a little bit to bring freshness in the wide spaces. I would disagree, I think, with that interpretation of the impact it had. Um, for me, Abdullah, the first substitution sort of makes sense. I can see why you want to rejig the midfield. By the first substitution, I'm referring to Sophie Ingle, sorry. I can see why you'd maybe want a player like Erin to drop deeper and have that more dynamic option in midfield to deal with the, the problems passing out from back, like we talked about. But such a strange choice personnel-wise, because this was where you bring on Chankovic or Fleming, if that's what you want to do. We saw Guru have this little cameo for like 20 minutes as a 10 against Leon um, in the week, but this is such a waste to play Guru here in this game, right? 100%. When you've got a player that knows how to stretch player as stretch teams from the wide from the wide areas and and and, and Guru is such a such a dynamic player where you have to give her the freedom to be able to start outside, come inside or go outside. That's what she's always been good at and that's how she's kind of made her her name and and, and gotten all her goals. You know, I feel like it's you you can ask a wide player who's so dynamic to be able to come inside and just play almost like a, a very central role when her whole being and every fiber of her being says i need to go outside i need to stay a little bit wider because her whole thing is about crossing like she knows how to cut back she knows how to cross properly and then you know and then she knows how to cut inside and obviously against leon we know that she can shoot from outside the box and that's where she's that she's that kind of playmaker she's not one that's going to give you a cute pass here and there you know threading through to the defense and you know to me if you want to do that you either right either you bring lauren james into the 10 position fine i don't i don't hate lauren lauren james coming into the 10 i know she went off but if you're going to do that bring lauren james in as a number 10 or you bring in Chankovic. I thought the game was crying for Chankovic because you needed someone to control that midfield at a time when City were almost running away with it. They were really dominating the ball. Chelsea just needed somebody to calm things down. And Chankovic didn't get a look in. It was, it, you know, I, I felt like she was just unlucky not to come on. And it almost seems like every time there's an early substitution either on or off, you know, we saw it against Arsenal in the Conti Cup final. Chankovic was the first sub to be made in, that, in those first 30 minutes as well. 
in this game, she doesn't get the get the chance to come on. So I don't know what it is that Emma Hayes sees in Shankovic. She doesn't trust her completely or, or whatever it is. But I really feel like when you've got two natural number 10s, one who is a very creative one and the other one's probably a bit more of an off-ball playmaker, when you've got them on the bench, why are you bringing on Neve Charles, who's again another wide player, to come on for a wide, you know, to come on to, to put a wide player in a central position? I just don't see how that works. And I know we've seen, um, we've seen, um, you know, Guru plays as number 10 and almost playing, you know, close as a striker against, against Reading and a bit against Leon. But those games, you know, maybe when you're, when you're up against it and you really don't have position, it could sort of work because then you have a player running, running off Sam Kerr playing around. But in a game like this, when you know you're going to be, be able to get possession and in the, obviously in this case, you dominated possession just about, you need someone who's really, really good at controlling that central area. And not to forget that, um, the whole, I think, Lyle. I think it was Lyle Alexandri's left back position that caused Chelsea to find it difficult to play out in the middle when you've got those physical players. So you even more of a reason you needed someone like Chankovic or Fleming to come in and be a bit more creative against the more hard hitting Alexandri, Laura Coombs, uh, and and Angadal in in midfield. So and and Hasegawa. So yeah, I really felt like it was a waste, and, and I really don't understand why Chankovic didn't come on earlier. Yeah, it was really bizarre. And I mean, I feel sorry for Neve Charles because I'm like, it's always going to be hard to come into these different positions where you have to play something totally different in every single game. And, you know, we've seen that happen to Aaron Cuthbert in the past. And I feel like Aaron Cuthbert's been able to deal with it a lot better than maybe Neve Charles has. But, you know, she started off at left wing in this game. And then she's moved back to right back when Mara Mielda finally comes off. And you're just like, you're obviously not going to get the best out of this player because she's kind of shown that she can't really create on the, on the level you want right now. Like, let her hone one area of the pitch where you want her to play. Um, just back to the second substitution, because this one I didn't understand at all. My only conclusion for taking Lauren James off is that Emma Hayes was like, I'm throwing this game right now. Like, I don't care. I think we're going to lose. Which one, I think, is just a bonkers mentality to have after 35 minutes against Manchester City, if that is the case. If it isn't the case, I'm just like, you're so dumb because Lauren James is, like, the difference maker in this team. Like, she's a live wire. JOK, she wasn't great. I don't think she was awful. Like, you could see her trying, but she is nowhere near the technical quality, touch, speed whatever you want to say like Lauren James is just clear and this was just you know if you felt like Lauren James wasn't fit enough to play this whole game don't start her because taking her off just felt like it made no sense not only is that like that it's like she's one of your best dribblers in terms of playing out from pressure which was the problem you were supposedly trying to solve with these substitutions <laughs> oh god yeah I know it's it's and I didn't actually see anything that Lauren James had done dramatically wrong, except for the fact of the way the game was going. I felt like, like you said, when you're a difference maker, the one with the technical ability, the one who can get you out of a hole and maybe probably the one that's probably going to give you a moment of magic to get you back in the game, you take her off after 30, 36 minutes, you're like, but why? Like, again... I would have much rather have just made the single substitution, bring on a Chankovic, and then, or, or not, forget, fine. You want to bring on Canarid for the legs? No problem. I'm, I'm happy with that. Just replace 
angle for Canada for Canarid, play Canarid out on the right and move Lauren James inside. So at least you still have someone attracting all the players and giving Canarid the space that she needs to thrive on the right hand side. Right. To me, that just makes a lot more sense. I I feel bad for Canarid. I think I really think that she she can stretch games. She's good, but I think she's a player that needs space. And when you have someone like Lauren James who can create the space for you. That's when she really thrives. But if you have, some, if you were relying on her to create the space on her own, and and kind of have to, you know, drive, go deep, pick up the ball, drive forward, and try and isolate herself to make that space, I don't think she's great. Which is why I think we see her so have more of an impact when she comes on in games because there's tired legs, you know, teams are trying to focus. She can run in behind, play through the lines. Everything is there, done for her. And, you know, you need players in that squad. So I, th- I think it's just, I, th- I just thought that the substitution was just a mismanagement of the players that were there and almost like a, you know, misreading of the game because I really don't understand why a lot of the things happen. So I, th- I think I think just that whole five minutes of the formation change, the players in different positions and the players that came on, I think to me just kind of played into City's hands. And I think probably that's one of the reasons why City didn't make a substitution until Lauren Hemp got a yellow card. I don't even think they would have made the substitution at all. If they were that comfortable with the way Chelsea were playing after that, they were like, we don't need to change anything. Then that's going to be an indictment on the way Emma Hayes has set up her team and, and the changes that she did make. Right. And it's a bit like the Arsenal game, the Conti Cup game, where... Also, you stop your team from having the opportunity to figure out what's wrong. Because, you know, I'm just not sure I believe that 30 minutes is enough, 35 minutes is enough for a football team to, you know, build on the relationships within the game. Like, we're already talking about how we've lost for this game our centre-back who, like, plays every single minute for us. That's going to change the way you play. You've got Aaron Cuthbert as a 10 when... Until the Leon game, she'd hardly played. She certainly hadn't been playing as a 10. Melly Loipos has come back. Like, there's lots of things that have changed over time. Like, it's not like it's not like there was an obvious tactical flaw, I don't think, that was personnel-based. Like, I think there was a tactical flaw in terms of trying to play out more from the back rather than just clicking it long. But that's not a personnel problem. That's just what you choose to do with the ball. And I also think there wasn't specifically obvious personnel issues like there wasn't one player who was playing badly and I just feel like this is like you know Hayes talks a lot about mentality but this is like a weakness thing you are saying to your opponents at that point like I got it wrong you are saying to your players that they got it wrong so how are those players then going to turn around and have like the level of confidence needed to get back into a game when you're 2-0 down and I feel like from these substitutions, we just kind of, like, predictably saw a very stagnant Chelsea. Like, started the second half slightly better for, like, three minutes. But after that, there was, like... Honestly, I, like, for, I don't know what to talk about for this point onwards, Abdullah, really. Uh, obviously, we'll chat Aaron Cuthbert's injury. But, like, nothing happened. Like, City didn't need to do anything. We didn't really do, do anything. It was just, like, the ball was in play. Yeah, pretty much. I, I I felt like the second half was more of a... I felt like the post-substitution first half, 15 minutes, was more impactful than the second half because it just felt like the second half, nothing happened. Like, every time you thought something would happen, City were doing things, um, the ball was just... At, I think the only moment I can remember from the second half is the Loipel's chance in, like, the 89th or 90th minute. And, I mean, I was watching the game 
But I remember looking at my phone a little bit more than I was watching the game because I'm like, nothing is happening. So I'm like, what am I, what am I actually watching? And it was such a forgetful second half. And probably, again, the Leupold's injury, sorry, the Leupold's miss and the Aaron Cusper injury are probably the only two moments where I was like, all right, things are happening. Okay, what's happening? What's going on? I, I, you know, I should watch this. And that was, that was weird. And you, it kind of sets your point on, on let the players kind of figure it out. The minute the second goal went in, they literally all huddled up. And I think Magda was giving everybody like, all right, you know, we need to figure this out. We need to do this. And then literally maybe five minutes later, there's a double chain. So while the players were looking like they wanted to figure it out, they came together, they talked about it. Not even two minutes later, two of the players are going off. So I just felt like that was uh, that was just very strange. But yeah, that second half was so forgetful. Like I, at the end of it, I thought, I don't know if I've just watched the second half of this game or not because I don't even actually know what happened in that game or just did nothing happen. So yeah, it was really really weird. Um, yeah. It, okay. Let's let's do the Aaron Cuthbert injury. I mean, I don't know how much there is to say about this that we've kind of not already touched on. Hayes says she's going to be fine. She says she's all right. Millie apparently is going to be fine too. Hayes said before on the BBC before the game started that Millie only just missed out on being in the squad. Um, I guess maybe the question we ask is, do you think either of these players starts against Leon? And if they don't, how bad is it? <laughs> you know what? When I when I read the quote, I was like, is this mind games from Emma Hayes? Just to instantly say that they're, they're, they'll be fine, they'll be fit. Because the, the amount of time that Erin was on the floor and she went straight down the tunnel, that doesn't seem like she was fine. Like maybe it was a heavy knock or maybe it was... because. She had a hamstring injury, right? Those things don't go away really, really quickly. When you come back and you haven't played for a while, it takes time. And when you've played an intense 19 minutes against Lyon, and now you're coming up against the Manchester City, again, another high, high intensity game, you're going to have a high chance of re-aggravating that injury. And I, I actually, if I have to bet on it, I think, I don't think either of them start. And if anything, okay. Best case scenario, I think Millie Bright might stop because she's had the longer rest period. But I wouldn't be surprised if both of them are on the bench just for the fact that they both are going off. One's on a knee injury and one's on a hamstring injury. And both of those are very, very tricky because if you... I know that this is the, this is the most important game of the season and everything rests on this. But if you lose them and you win or whatever and they're out for the season you're literally screwed because then you're lost two one or one if not both of your best players to injury and then when you're coming up against let's say let's assume Barcelona win that semi-final right let's say that quarterfinal against Roma and they go to the semi-finals you want you're gonna need Aaron Kasba and Millie Bright of all the players in your squad against those against that team so it's a tricky one I I, I think when you've got the game going on Thursday I think she's got to play it smart and you know, I just, I just don't think, I don't think they'll start. I just don't think they're fit enough right now with the way Aaron went down and the way Millie went down and she didn't play. I just, I don't think they start because if there was just about a chance, I think Millie starts this game hundred percent. I just don't see how Millie misses out unless they're not a hundred percent sure if she's fit or not. Yeah, I mean, I, I said to friends before the game, like, I will believe whether Millie Bright plays this game or like the City game or not when the team sheet comes out. And I kind of feel the same with this. Like, I don't trust anything that Emma says. It's a strange one. Like, also, even with the Millie quote, I will say she was like, oh, she'll be back next week. Well, is that next week as in for Villa away? Or is that <laughs> Thursday next week, you know? So, 
I guess we'll see. Um, we'll see. This is quite a good segue, I guess, to to talk about how this performance affects the build-up to Leon. I will say, I hate the way they have, for everyone across Europe, you know, the way they have scheduled these games. Obviously, because it's the men's international break, leagues purposely put big games in this segment between the quarterfinals. It just doesn't help anyone. Like, if it was random, it was a fixture computer, I get it. But you know it's being done on purpose. You know, Barcelona had to play Real Madrid. Okay, we can argue about whether that's a hard match, but Bayern had to play Wolfsburg, etc., etc. Watching Bayern beat Wolfsburg yesterday... I was like, wow, what a boost for that team going into their second leg against Arsenal. Is this then the opposite for Chelsea? You know, how much is this a mental setback ahead of welcoming Leon Stamford Bridge? What a difference 10 days can make, huh? I mean, like last week, you know, we're looking at Chelsea going in. They can do well. Leon, you know, on, on the best of form. They're coming back. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Chelsea got a huge win against Leon, right? Away from home. Everything is great. Leon, all right, you know, not the greatest performance in the world. Go in. They go to the weekend. They beat Gengar 6-0. Arda Hegerberg comes on within like 30 to 50 seconds, scores the first for her, her goal after coming on. And suddenly it's like, oh, Leon know how to score goals again. Arda's back. Have they figured it out? And then Chelsea go into this game lose the way they did 2-0, and suddenly you're thinking there's a bit of doubt in your mind going, huh, did Leon have a chance now coming back? Leon are actually a pretty decent team away from home. Can they do it, right? And then the doubt starts creeping in, and suddenly now, if we're thinking it, then obviously I think Emma Hayes won't let that happen, but the players are going to at some point go, ooh, okay, we beat Leon, but we just lost the City, another big team. You know, can we... You know, can we go and beat Leon again at home? You know, like it's 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 one of those it's one of those where you just a little, that seed of doubt starts creeping in, and you know, like we've lost Millie Bright, we've lost Aaron Cuthbert. Let's assume for a second that you know they're not going to play. Suddenly, the narrative changes, and then suddenly they're like, "Oh, can, can we do it?" Because a week ago, we were great; we were, we were favorites for all three of the games, and now suddenly we've won one, we've lost one, and we're not even sure if whether we can go and are we even the favorites for the for the, for the second leg. So. It's a big thing because, like you said, with Bayern Munich, it's a huge boost for them. Like, they come in, they beat Arsenal 1 0. They've gone and beat Wolfsburg, the biggest rivals domestically, 1 0. And they're like, right, we've just won two of the biggest games of our season. Let's go and finish off the job, you know, later in the week and, and go and do this. Whereas for Chelsea now, it's it's make or break, it's do or die. Like, the entire season, in a weird way, hinges on, 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 on the Thursday now. And you're like, you know, can we do it? Now that extra pressure comes on you because you've lost this game and you're your game in hand and the WSL might be slipping away. And so all these doubts come in and yeah, it's I think I think it's it's it was just a bad time to lose uh, to lose this game. Yeah, I think I would have walked away from this game with like a draw and been like fine. Yeah. And I do think like I saw people, you know, saying and I agree, like that no one will care about this result if we beat Leon. And I think that's true. And I, I I agree. I think it would have been a sacrifice worth making, you know, in, in a second, let's talk about the WSL, but briefly focusing on Leon, you know, it's more than possible that this was just like the players couldn't mentally get up for the game. That's kind of what Emma's implied. And that means that they find something more on Thursday. Okay, if that happens, I think everyone's saying, great, we're in the semifinals of the Champions League. There are broader concerns, I think, generally about our ability to deal with 
these games, but I will also say it's the first time we've lost in the WSL since the opener against Liverpool. It's the first time we've lost in the WSL this season to a top four uh, rival. It's the first time City have beaten us in the WSL since 2017. So sometimes like stuff isn't going to work out for you. Sometimes these things are going to happen. And But now... I mean, maybe it's just because I've been watching the, the WPL final, but it feels like, you know, when your cricket team has got like a run chase and you're feeling good about it and then one batter goes and then suddenly oh. the pressure's rank, like goes up on the next batter because you're like, that's how it feels with these games. Like for every like loss, okay, we haven't lost the season in inverted commas by losing to City. But now the pressure goes up on that Leon game because you're like, well, if we, okay, if we if we get knocked out of the Champions League on Thursday, like I still think we can go and win the WSL, we can still go and win the FA Cup. But you just, you know, these things can they can snowball, um, and that's the concern. Let's just to finish off, let's go back to the WSL and and let's look at the table. So currently, the United are top, 16 games played, 38 points. City, exactly the same, just slightly less goal difference. We've played 15 games. We've got 37 points. Our game in hand is against Liverpool. Arsenal have played 15 games. They have 35 points and they've got their game in hand against Brighton. Do you think we are still favourites to win the WSL from here? Because, spoiler alert, I kind of do. Yes, I think so, because I think... It's mainly because City and United have to play each other. So one of them is dropping points. So that's one out of the equation. City also have to play Arsenal. So that's another big game. United have to play Arsenal, which is again a big game. And Arsenal have to play United. Whereas we only have to play Arsenal. That's relatively the big game of the, of the top four. And historically, yes, we've beaten Arsenal. Yes, I know we lost the Conte Cup final, but... We're playing at home. If we can beat Arsenal at home or even get a draw and then the other three teams are taking points off each other in the games that they have to play during their run-in, the, the, just Chelsea just have to win their, I think, out of the what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. If they can get five wins, I think the league is Chelsea's. If they can get five, five wins and two draws, like minimum, I think Chelsea still win that title and, and I think it's in their hands because City's next two, sorry, Arsenal's next two games is City United and Everton who aren't pushovers. So yeah, I think it's gonna be that's gonna I think it's gonna be tough for the other teams, but yeah, I think Chelsea, I think definitely in their hands, and I think they can still go ahead and, and win this pretty comfortably. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's definitely tough, but it was good to have had the points, you know, gap that we already did. I think it's good that we've got more of our big four fixtures out the way. I think it's also very good for us that there's four teams in this title race. I'd be much more concerned if there was one other team really gunning for it. But it's like you're saying, like, these teams will take, like, drop points. Everyone has to drop points because there's four teams in the title race and they will play against each other. So yeah. Tom Gary tweeted earlier that even if City and United win all their games from here on out, it's not in their hands. Like, if we then won all our games, we would obviously win the league. And mm, I think but, that's, yeah. like, comforting. I do wonder if the fact that we've still got Arsenal at home, how much it would benefit us for City slash United to both take points off them and maybe leave Arsenal out of it. But then they're still going to be trying to get in for Champions League qualification. Um, I don't know. I think what 
doing Villa away next weekend will be really, really big. Because aside from Arsenal at home, that's the one where I'm like, that's not an easy fixture. And Villa are a team who historically we found kind of tricky. Um, you know, they've caused us problems before. We've seen what they could do to City. They literally knocked City out of the, the FA Cup last week. Although maybe that tells you also about, you know, what City were looking to get out of that ga- the game today. So, I mean, from a neutral's perspective, my brother, who is an Arsenal fan, texted me today being like, God, if you're a neutral, this must be the the best season ever. Because it is incredible, you know, if you take that step away to have this four-way title race. Like, we've never seen anything like this in the WSL. And that is really, really exciting. I just hope we come out on top of the end because it will feel even sweeter. Okay. Um, I'm going to skip player of the match because I don't think anyone deserved it. Maybe I'd give it to Erin Cuthbert because she was, like, quite good. But uh, elsewhere in the WSL, Reading came from 2-0 down to draw 2-2 with Brighton. Uh, in a very exciting battle at the bottom. Villa beat Leicester 5-0. United won 4-0 against West Ham at Old Trafford. Arsenal won 5-1 against Spurs. Bethany England tried her best, but you can't rely on those lot for anything. And Everton and Liverpool drew 1-1. Coming up for Chelsea, Leon at home in the Champions League. At Stamford Bridge. Then it is Villa away. And then it's the international break and the end of this awful run of fixtures. Abdullah, I want to get your quick prediction now. Who goes through Chelsea or Leon on Thursday night? <laughs> oh, you're asking me such a difficult question. Oh, my God. I still, I think Chelsea have, because they have the 1-0 advantage going at home. It has to be Chelsea. I think Chelsea, I think Chelsea will go through. I think... Yeah, I'm just going to say, I'm not going to give an explanation. I just think Chelsea will go through. All right. I will back you, Abdullah. Drinks are on me in Fulham <laughs> if we go through on Thursday <laughs> night. Uh, I, I'm not going to say I feel good because I don't, but I feel I will feel something. Um, and isn't that <laughs> what we all watch football for? All right. We will obviously be back to round up whatever happens in that game. I really hope we are in a better mood than we were today. But I hope you could take some kind of interest or enjoyment uh, from listening. It it sucks when it sucks, but it feels so good when it's going well. And this week has given us both those feelings. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.